the Son of God who, who is the Most High God, lowered himself. And yes, Jesus, the Son of God, had to be led along by his mother and father as he learned to walk, had to be carried by them. He came to be the son that you and I, the daughter that you and I could not be, and to be the perfect substitute. Jesus, the perfect and holy Son of God, came to live and to die, to take our place so that we could be called children of God. But the long-suffering love of our God is this. He responds by sending his son and by making us his own. The following is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, reaching out with Rock Solid Hope in Rim Country, December 29, 2019. Hosea 11, 1-7. Just imagine that you planned out the perfect Christmas gift and you got it all prepared and it was just what you thought that person would love. You gave it to them. They received it with initial excitement. But then later on you see how the gift is just pushed aside, even tossed in the trash. They seem to have completely forgotten that you gave it to them. Don't even care about it. And they make you feel like you're unwanted and your gift is worthless. How would you feel? How does God feel when this is the way that his love is treated? This morning we see the answer as we look at God's word because this is just what Israel did to their father in heaven. We see that as we look in Isaiah or Hosea 11 this morning. As we look at that, we'll see how the father's love is long-suffering for his sons. How could someone ever do that? You, you'd expect that if someone gave a gift in love, that it would be received, at least with some gratitude and some recognition in love. But this is exactly what Hosea writes about. See, Hosea had firsthand experience of this kind of spurned love. Hosea himself had an unfaithful wife. And though he took her from poor conditions, brought her to be his bride, he gave her all of his possessions and his life and cared for her very deeply and loved her, she was unfaithful to him. Left him and chased after other men. You can imagine how he felt his love was spurned. Why is this recorded for us? All the, the skeletons in Hosea's personal life and in his closet? Because Hosea preached a very striking message even by his life. Hosea's relationship with his wife was symbolic of the greater picture of the relationship between God and the people of Israel. Their God, you see, loved them like a faithful husband. But Israel turned aside, spurned the love of their God, abandoned him and rejected him. As we get to Hosea chapter 11, which we read this morning, we see a different type of spurned love. Not just that between husband and wife, but also between a father, a parent, and their son. God refers to Israel as he says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. God rescued his son, Israel. He calls him here also Ephraim, referring to that northern tribe, symbolizing the whole northern nation of Israel. And he says he he rescued them by calling them out of Egypt. He brought them freedom from slavery. Recall the great love of God for Israel. When Israel was, so to speak, an infant nation, 
He led them through the sea. and They passed through the waters. And when they got to the other side, they were free. God did that for them. And more than that, he says, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Now, parents, you know how this is, right? If, if you have a little child, how excited you are to grab them by the hand when they take their first couple of steps. And for those first years of their life, you're there to guide them along in a loving way, to hold them, lift them up to your cheek, and hold them to the side. That's what God says he does for Israel and did for Israel as a son. More than that, he fed them. You recall how God led the nation of Israel through the wilderness, not just for four years, but for 40 years. He treated them like a son that he loved deeply. And when Israel complained and cried out, I'm thirsty, as a loving father, he made water gush from the rock. And when Israel hungered, he fed them bread from heaven. God loved Israel. He gave them everything. And then going all the way from then, hundreds of years later to the time of Hosea, God was carrying them along by the hand, blessing them with prosperity. In fact, it's during Hosea's time that they've reached one of their great times of prosperity in the land of Israel. God loved his son. But this message in Hosea is not just about God's great love for the children that he has, the nation of Israel. No, it's, unfortunately, it's also about their spurning and rejecting that love. Not only did they complain like a spoiled child when he gave them that food, like one who just tosses that food on the floor, but they turned aside from him. He says, they did not realize it was I who healed them. And though when they turned aside from God, they turned to other vices and other sins instead of their Lord, they turned to Baal worship and the temporary pleasures of sexual gratification encountering with Baal worship. And they turned aside from God to all sorts of sins. God says, the more they turned, I called them. And I called them. He sent his prophets. He not only loved them, he, he wanted to call them back home like a loving father. But it says, the more they were called, the more they went away from me. Picture that child so stubborn and so refusing to receive the love of its father that it, when it hears the father calling, runs away. That's what Israel was doing. Now, why did Israel do this? To have such a heart that it would be so cold. Isn't that the, the human heart that refuses to recognize the good that it's received from God? turn aside from that love and forget about it, to not realize it's God who's done everything for us. You and I also have, a, by nature, that, that same type of heart, don't we? Think about what God has done for us. He's led us through the waters. In our baptism, we have been freed, made a child of God. We are also God's son and daughter. How often do you reflect on that event? For many of us, it was when we were infants. Reflect on your baptism as such a wonderful blessing and great event in your life, or do you sometimes forget about it? And though he doesn't give us literal bread from heaven, Jesus says, I am the bread from heaven, and you have the word of God in your life. 
graciously, wonderfully poured out for you that living bread from heaven. Isn't it sometimes that, that, that bread of heaven just sits on the shelf? We've got more important things to do. No, we're not turning our TVs into the channel Baal worship. And we're not directly falling down before idols. But might there be things in this life which are diverting our attention from listening to our Father and putting Him first, those things that become primary things in our life so that maybe instead of turning into the Baal channel, yes, we are turning into godless entertainment or turning into things that divert us away from worship of our God. Or maybe we decide that the more God calls, the more that he tells us that we should be listening to his word, the more we need to argue, no, I need some time for this God instead. Hearts that don't recognize, that take for granted all the things our God has done and does for us, taking us by the hand like a loving father. Sad thing is, what God says here, the more I called, the more they turned away. That's what some Christians do. When they're turning to sin, they're, they're clinging on to that selfish, sinful desire of this world. When a Christian friend, a family member, or a pastor tries to call them back, sometimes they just turn further away. That's the human heart. That's what Israel was doing. That's what every Christian is capable of doing, of refusing the gracious love of our God. Well, for Israel, the, the sad truth was what God says here. Will they not return to suffering, that is, to Egypt and Assyria, because they refuse to repent? God gives a terrible picture. He says, instead of being led by the hand by their loving father, they would face the sword in the hand of their enemies. And the slashing of the sword instead of a loving, gracious hand with them. And instead of the loving hand of their heavenly father feeding them, they would have their enemies devouring them. This is the, the reality of it. When one turns aside from God and one refuses his love, God is long-suffering and God is patient as he was with Israel, still calling them my son. But one does have the ability to refuse that love. And in place of the loving hand of God, it's found the hand of one's enemies. And in place of the gracious hand of a God who feeds, who protects, who comforts, is the hand of the devil who will destroy and devour. Israel, it says, would end up calling out to God. It says, even though they call to the Most High God, who used to stoop down to them, he would not in any way lift them up. God's saying that when that day of reckoning comes, you'll call out, Lord, Lord, and I will say, I don't know you. And they will be dragged down to hell with the devil. But thank God that his love is far greater than our love. Notice what he says here. It's a word of warning, a word of rebuke, and calling his people back to himself. And he still calls them my people. God's love is so great for his son that he put up with hundreds of years, graciously calling them, wanting them to return back to him. The God who called them his own made them his own. He's the one who said, let my people go. He's the one who brought them through the waters. He's the one that despite their grumbling fed them. He's the one that despite their wavering protected them and made them prosper. And he's the God who would continue 
they only would look to him to be their loving father and would carry them by the hand. God's love was seen not just for Israel. It was seen for this whole world. God loved this world so much that in love he came to this world. He sent his son, the son of God who, who is the most high God, lowered himself. And yes, Jesus, the Son of God, had to be led along by his mother and father as he learned to walk, had to be carried by them so he could be safe. But what did this world do? Herod, in a rage, desired to kill and destroy God's love. That Jesus had to be carried off to Egypt. And Mary and Joseph had to carry that lowly child, the Son of God, back from Egypt to the land of Israel, fulfilling the picture that was given here, out of Egypt, I called my son, long foreshadowed in Scripture. And Jesus, the Son of God, who lived in lowliness, would continue to be rejected. As he spoke words of forgiveness, the people around him would reject him, desert him, to the point where the very people that were his own had him hung on a tree and crucified. How's that for spurned love? But that's the love of God. Not just for Israel, but for this entire world, he came to be the son that you and I, the daughter that you and I could not be, and to be the perfect substitute, Jesus, the perfect and holy son of God, came to live and to die, to take our place, so that we could be called children of God. See the long-suffering love of the Father for this world and for you and for me the love that he showers on our hearts. Yes, this world and you and I can refuse that love. We can not recognize that love at times. We can even at times fail to perfectly respond as we ought to, to that love. But the long-suffering love of our God is this. He responds to spurned love by calling his sons, by sending his son, and by making us his own. So we can say with the hymn writer, How can I forget how love was born and burned way into my heart, unasked, unforced, unearned? Amen. <laughs>